Welcome to episode 3 of How Could We, a podcast by EIT Climate Geek, hosted by me and Sophie Garrigo. In our final episodes of this series, which has been looking at how forests can help us build a climate-resilient future, we're heading to Germany to learn more about creating affordable housing from wood in Berlin. Our guest is Tena Petrovic, an urban development specialist who works on the Bauhütte 4.0 Breakthrough Initiative which is part of the Climate Smart Forest Economy Program, which our previous guests, Siaka William and Daniel Zimmer, are also involved in. Hello, Tena. Thank you so much for joining me today. So I'm going to start by asking you to introduce yourself and tell our listeners about your job and what you do with EIT Climate Kick. Thanks, Anne-Sophie. My name is Tena Petrovic. I am an urbanist. I'm based in Boston, Massachusetts, and Zagreb, Croatia. I've been with Climate Kick almost four years now, and my main area of interest focused primarily on the usage of sustainable timber in built environment with a focus on mass timber. So today we'll be focusing mainly on the Bohüte project. I hope I'm pronouncing it that well, living in Berlin myself. So the Bauhütte project is marketed as creating a wood-to-city value chain in Berlin. Could you summarize the project for our listeners and explain what wood-to-city or forest-to-city means in this context? Sure. Bauhütte 4.0, this is the official name of the project, is one of Climate Smart Forest Economy Program's 15 breakthrough initiatives or pilot projects. So Bauhütte 4.0 is located in the heart of Europe, in the neighborhood of the former Tegel Airport in Berlin, which closed to flights in November 2020, and is planning to develop, as you mentioned, a forest-to-city model for affordable housing in wood. The ultimate aim is to build a new timber mixed-use district consisting of two parts, of a residential part, which we call the Schumacher Quartier, providing approximately five to 10,000 affordable housing units which should very importantly help address the current housing shortage in the wider Berlin area. And then of another part, which is to be a research center for urban construction in wood and also a regional manufacturing center for wood components. Now, our team's mission is to develop a, a coalition of stakeholders, which will deliver on this big and long-term project of constructing such a, a big neighborhood. And the beauty of the project is that the city of Berlin is surrounded by vast forest resources. So we are especially focusing on short supply chains and using regionally sourced wood from local Brandenburg forests. We are supporting uh, Technical University Berlin, Cora Conscious City Institute, and Fraunhofer Institute for Production Systems and Design Technology. But as you can imagine, we are working with many, many other partners from across the value chain, both private and public ones. And finally, as you can imagine, this is a highly ambitious and a very costly project. But what makes it a real breakthrough initiative, or its secret sauce, if you will, something much more than just constructing a new neighborhood, is its holistic nature. And by this, I mean that the project is leveraging an approach that connects actors from the forest side in Brandenburg, looking at how to enhance the carbon sink function of local forests, then actors from the manufacturing side, so those producing the building components, which will serve as the storage of carbon, and finally, Actors from the construction side, city side, built environment side, who will be using these wood components instead of concrete and steel, 
and therefore having a large substitution function. So those three forest functions that I've mentioned, sync, storage, and substitution, and Bauhitter 4.0 is trying to maximize each of those three forest functions, understanding that it is a, a balancing act of using but not overusing your forests in order for them to supply enough wood to construct the new neighborhood with, but also to continue thriving and producing oxygen and sequestering carbon. So forest to city value chain is about forming connections between actors across forestry, timber processing, and the built environment to enable and support such holistic value creation. And I would just like to say that there is a huge scaling potential of this project because rolling out this model across roughly 30 other sites in Berlin, which we see as a possibility, and further, in order to address the challenges of rapid city growth and housing crisis and climate change. So in that sense, I would say that Bauhitter 4.0 could act as a blueprint for other cities to follow. Thank you. That's really, really interesting. And the, the thing I noted is the importance of connecting all the stakeholders, right? You can't have such a project without connecting the people working in the forest industry, people working in the building industry, but also obviously the politicians who are deciding what we're going to do with this project. Now, the other important aspect or the other question is how can the local forests supply enough wood for the project? Do you think or do you know if it's actually possible for a Berlin-Brandenburg forest to sustainably supply enough wood for local building construction and for this project in particular? So the short answer is yes. And this question touches down on two issues. First of all, the amount of wood left in Berlin-Brandenburg forests and then the ownership structure. So the question of who owns this forest. And as I said, Berlin is lucky in the sense that it is surrounded by ample forest resources and can have homegrown timber providing high value products in construction. And yes, there has been research undertaken recently to define the extent of Berlin forest ownership in Brandenburg and to see if this forest actually contains enough wood for the construction of the Schumacher Quartier. And so what it showed is that Berlin forests can supply the project with 10,000 to 20,000 solid cubic meters per year for a period of 10 years, with at least 50% of this being pine trees, and very importantly, all of this wood being FSC certified. And this means certified according to the highest environmental and social standards. So all wood construction materials should be homegrown. Now, to come back to the ownership part of the question, the project will focus on wood coming from publicly owned forest area. So owned by the city of Berlin and the state of Brandenburg. And this is very much related to the issue of the cost of the ultimate product. And why? Because primarily this timber will be provided to state-owned housing associations at a fixed price to avoid potential fluctuations in wood prices and make their target of renting out units for an affordable price feasible. And finally, just because Berlin's forests contain enough wood for the development of the Schumacher Quartier, as this assessment has showed, doesn't automatically mean that this is a sustainable process. This is one of the reasons why this initiative will play an essential role to actually make the case for the sustainability of the process of providing this local wood. And I also want to stress that in the past three years, Germany has lost, I think it's thousands of hectares of forests due to the ever warmer and drier climate, but also due to the large-scale cultivation of conifers. And conifers are, are those evergreen trees with, with needles, such as pine trees. What we are seeing is that Berlin Brandenburg forests are in need of something called Waldumbau or demographic renovation, meaning there needs to be an introduction of other tree species like hardwood, so deciduous trees, into existing mainly coniferous forests, 
which would make them more resilient to extreme weather events, to insects attacks, to fires, drought, and would also support biodiversity, which gets weakened if, if you prioritize monoculture forests like we do now. So this transition to more mixed forests is obviously something that cannot happen overnight. This is a long-term vision. It takes 50 plus years for trees to grow. So this is something to happen over the next 50 plus years, leaving enough time to the industry to adapt over time to, to different types of timber that will be available. Now I'm wondering, like, what do people think about this project? Are they worried that this might impact the state of the forests in the region? Because we know that Berliners, myself included, we're very attached to the Sunday works in the forest. So what do people think about it? And how are you communicating to them? How are you making sure that the forests are still going to be here for the people to enjoy? Yes, this is a very pertinent question, and I would say this is something that relates not just to the Bauhita Open Zero project, but actually to all of the wood-based projects we are, or, or, or anybody is involved in. There is this tension we are seeing across the world between proponents of wood being used primarily for productive use. So the aim of the project is to make the case that there is enough sustainably sourced wood which would not only enable carbon-free or carbon-smart construction for the city of Berlin, but also enable the longevity of local forests. Because only if you make them productive enough, this will enable uh, the livelihoods of people who are in charge of those forests and actually make the economic case viable enough for them to continue managing forests and therefore continue contributing to the carbon storage and carbon sink of forests instead of uh, carbon emissions. Thank you. And in this podcast series, we haven't yet gone into too much detail on the current steering potential of wood. So can you tell us a little bit about how carbon emissions can be actually avoided by building with wood? Could you explain this concept and what is the carbon steering potential of the Schumacher Quartier? So one of the most effective strategies for mitigating carbon emissions is through interventions at the material level. And these interventions can be grouped into material efficiency, meaning using less of the same material, and material substitution, meaning using alternative materials with lower carbon emissions. Another saving comes in the form of substitution. So when steel or cement are substituted by using bio-based materi materials like wood or bamboo that can store carbon instead of emitting it, we avoid greenhouse gas emissions, especially if we manage to lock that carbon for the long term. And this means not demolishing a house before or unless absolutely necessary or, or throwing away furniture. And then you also have additional savings in the form of reduced transportation miles needed to deliver the material to the construction site. For example, a concrete building would typically require five times the number of truck deliveries during construction that a timber structure would require. And in terms of Schumacher Quartier, we conducted um, its, uh, its carbon assessment. And what our modeling showed is that carbon emissions from the production of timber-based buildings are almost nine times lower than the emissions from the production of the same building with the fossil fuel-based materials only. And finally, this modeling showed that building Schumacher Quartier with timber, it has the potential to avoid emissions of more than 100,000 tons of carbon over the duration of the construction stage. 
Thank you. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the challenges and the successes of the project. So can you start by telling us about the challenges that the Bohuta project already encountered and then maybe get into the successes? One of the key challenges we face and we are still facing is um, stakeholder fragmentation. So sustainable mass timber value chains in this region are still in their nascency. There are actors here and there, but they are not collaborating. They are, they are fragmented and everybody's doing their own thing. So there are lots of gaps we have identified, uh, in particular in the middle part of the chain, which is the production of mass timber products, which we found to be lacking in the region. And then also in the very entry point, which is small forest owners who are not sufficiently engaged in the project and were initially, when we started this work, visibly lacking from the conversations table. It is a huge risk for the project if private owners are fragmented and passive because they own 60% of Brandenburg Forest, with the state of Brandenburg owning 30% and then uh, the state of Berlin the remaining 10%. Although individually they may own only a few hectares, collectively they have a strong voice. Some of them have owned forests for generations in their family. Oftentimes they come from wealthy families and are not interested in the productive side of forests, in the money. They want to preserve forests as they are, which unfortunately often means leaving them unmanaged and doing more harm than they think. Another reason why private owners are so passive is a complete opposite one. So for those people interested in making a living out of their forests, the income from timber alone is often not sufficient to, to pay for the management work. So they rather leave their forests unmanaged or undermanaged and therefore not contributing to the carbon sink potential of forests. We find in this project that fiscal and other financial incentives are crucial for encouraging forest owners to join forest to city value chain. I would say that um, a big challenge is the cost of building in wood, since, since this is mainly caused by international wood markets, which are volatile by their nature, and by the fact that the construction sector in, in general is particularly vulnerable to economic cycles. You compound that by barely existing value chain infrastructure in the region, further impacted by the war in Ukraine. So this sequence of events was like a, a perfect storm, adding challenge upon challenge, resulting in halting the work on Bauhite 4.0 that we're seeing today. And then you, you, you also ask for some of the successes. What is interesting is that when you talk to people and when you are describing Bauhite 4.0, what, what people immediately imagine is, you know, um, a neighborhood, a set of buildings constructed with wood. However, this is the very last step in the long process in front of us. To build such a neighborhood, we need to first build relationships between individuals, between organizations that will be delivering this hugely ambitious project. So this is the foundational work we are doing. Building itself are just the tip of the iceberg. And what precedes them is setting up partnerships almost from scratch, setting up business models, making sure the supply of timber is regular and sustainable, tying silviculture practices to timber construction demand, going back to the forest regularly to, to examine what repercussions this usage of wood has on forest health, and then changing the course of action if needed, then developing new design curricula in architecture schools to include working with timber buildings, advocating for less stringent policy, something also very important in Berlin, popularizing timber buildings among general population. So this is a massive piece of work. So one of our initial and core tasks was and still is to do exactly this, to foster collaboration, to connect actors currently not collaborating. We can bring together interested and committed people from forestry, from wood processing, architecture, 
logistics, uh, NGOs, and local authorities to sit at the same table and get to know each other, to embark on a dialogue, and finally to start cooperating on, on building such uh, a 3S model of Bauhite 4.0. You know, gathering and structuring these communities of practice represents one of our key successes as they are a very strong vehicle for driving the work forward. Thank you. I found that so interesting. And something you mentioned that's going to stay with me is how sometimes private owners who even want to protect the forest but are not taking their care of them properly might be harming them. And um, I found that quite astonishing and, and sad. Yeah, I, I agree. This is definitely an unintentional consequence of uh, not managing your forest because you definitely need to invest time and money, as we saw, in, in thinning your forest, doing sustainable management practices, which are very long term, extending your rotation cycles. This all costs money, which does not come back overnight. It takes patience. So definitely you need to be either very in love with your forest or you need to have a solid economic case and be able to make a living out of it in order to actually engage in, in such an endeavor. I think this long-term aspect is so important and essential. I mean, you can't use forests with a short-term plan, right? As you mentioned before, this project, the Bauhütte project, could be scaled. So we need to make sure that the forests continue to grow, you need to protect them. And I think that's really, really interesting and inspiring. If you start thinking about it with a long-term plan, then the way you use the earth resources is very different because you think about it in a much more respectful way. And I think that's inspiring and something to keep in mind, even outside of forest business. Yeah, exactly. And not just that. Another important facet of this is having diverse forests. Although, you know, we know that there are species that grow incredibly fast and can produce uh, construction material very fast and you can get your return on investment very fast. This, uh, in the long run, does not result with healthy forests, with biodiverse forests, with forests that come uh, with a variety of functions, not just one, which is the the productive one, but actually you can enjoy them for recreational purposes, for uh, forest baiting. There are so, so many forest functions that we are not currently uh, exploring enough and which we should. And this type of a climate smart manner of managing forests definitely allows us to. Oh, that brings me to something that happened at COP27, actually. So EIT Climate Geek, with a couple of partners, a few partners, we published recommendations to include systemic landscape sinking into EU policies to achieve the Green Deal. And so one of the recommendations is the European Commission should ensure that all EU policies are aligned with preserving and restoring Europe's biodiversity and natural capital at the landscape scale. And I found that very interesting also, that we go to the landscape scale now, not just for the ecosystem but thinking about it as a as a holistic yeah because you know cities are systems but forests are systems as well and what we are not seeing sufficiently enough is connection of those two systems you basically need to have a third system connecting the two this is something we are not kind of geared to do uh, naturally it takes effort it takes energy and time to to devise such systems and to go into more abstract mode of thinking i would say 
What I know that the local team is in Berlin is currently working on is to continue engaging with committed and dedicated people from across the value chain to start thinking about possible scenarios that the uh, Bauhitte 4.0 could have. So a new series of workshops and events will definitely be one of our uh, next steps in 2023. And then also, of course, following uh, some of the EU calls, talking to local politicians, working on reducing some of the regulatory barriers we're also seeing uh, in the region, uh, and very importantly, engaging with, uh, with different actors such as small and private forest owners on one hand, but also with the uh, manufacturing and processing industry in order for them to to set up uh, facilities closer to the construction sites, actually. Thank you so much, Tina, for this amazing discussion and good luck with the, with the project. We're looking forward to hearing more about it in the next few months or years. Bye, Tina. Thanks, Anne-Sophie. Thank you to Tena for introducing us to such an interesting project. It will be interesting to see whether this sustainably sourced local wood will be more and more prioritized as a construction material in the future. And of course, to see what this project becomes. So we'll, we'll catch up on it in a few years. This was our last episode of this series. I really enjoyed discussing sustainable forestry and building a climate resilient future with wood with our three guests, Daniel Simmer, Siaka William and Tena Petrovic. Despite this being the, the end of the series, you're welcome to get in touch with us at media at climate-kick.org to find out more about what we do at EIT Climate Kick on sustainable forestry and other climate innovation in general. This episode was produced by Barbara Mendes-George. Thank you for listening and we'll be back soon. 